As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you, everyone, for joining us in this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I have the distinct pleasure to be sitting here with Joey Price. CEO of Jumpstart HR and host of the Business Life and Coffee podcast, as well as the host of the Winning at Work series. I'll call it a series. You can call it a podcast, videocast, or what have you. I'll let you uh, correct that, Joey, as we get going. (laughs) But I'm really excited to have Joey on. I've been following him for years And it is an honor for you to say yes, to join our community, to join our listeners for today's conversation. Mike, it's a pleasure. And I'm excited to be here with the talent management community. And let's have some fun. Awesome. Awesome. So Joey, as you and I both strive to serve our communities, we strive to serve our clients, but also people that we influence through our platforms. I want to take our our listeners today, and I want to encourage them to become a subscriber of the Business Life and Coffee podcast to follow your Winning at Work series, which you can, it's Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to kind of dive into, as you're interviewing leaders from all over the world, which our listeners are as well, what are you focusing on right now to help people when at work? Yeah, really great question. So what I'm focusing on with leaders right now is, first of all, just establishing trust really quickly and getting to a place of asking them, hey, how they're doing and making sure that there's an honest conversation there. I think we're all experiencing a lot of trauma, change, conflict management, conflict resolution, self-introspection. This season of life and this season of our economy and this season in our nation has kicked up a lot of dust and it hasn't settled yet. But the way that we have it all kind of settled in the right place is having healthy conversations with one another and that proper introspection within ourselves. But specifically from a business perspective and how to move the needle in business and how to move the needle with your team. There's four areas that I believe that employees need to know that they're winning at work. And that's going to be conversations around confidence, creativity, communication, and culture. And so just really understanding, like, if you want your team to succeed, you need to provide ways for them to thrive in those four areas. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And how do you help people identify how their team is doing in these four areas? Or what are you encouraging people do to check those four C's? Yeah, that's a great question. And the way that I do that is people talk, right? People have conversations about their career. They have conversations about their job. And sometimes those are said to you. Sometimes there are nonverbal cues. 
sometimes you just get that gut instinct that you develop and hone in on as a leader of, hey, this is working out or this isn't quite working out, but I'm not going to have a conversation yet or um, this isn't working out and I need an intervention. And so I think there's a few things that people will say with regard to different areas. So with with confidence, people are going to wonder and they're going to say that they're confident that they enjoy where they work. They're going to say they're confident in their skills and abilities. They're going to say they're confident that their work matters. And so they may not say those words verbatim, but they're going to carry themselves or talk in ways where you feel like if you had to ask them that question, they would say yes. And then when it comes to creativity, which I think is important because according to the World Economic Forum, they say creativity is or related to nine of the top 10 skills that global executives say is essential for 2020 and beyond. So just the idea of having a workforce that's creative and innovative and looking towards the future, who's your future customer? What does the future of business look like? Are we working from home or are we going back to the office? There has to be some innovation in the way that we look at our, at our business challenges. And you can stop me if I'm rambling and going no, too this long. Is great. This <laughs> is great. I'm taking notes to double click on once we get through them. <laughs> yeah. You know, your employees are going to, they're going to be able to say, I spend time innovating my craft. They're going to be able to say, I seek new ways to grow in my field. And they're going to be able to say, I get to challenge the way we do things at work. I think um, the pandemic moment that we're in right now has forced us and everyone's saying that. So this isn't nothing and nothing new, but has forced us to reimagine and pivot the way that we do business. And so the companies that will be successful are the ones that answer the problems of the future as opposed to solving the problems of the past. And so innovation and um, creativity is going to be the way that you do that in your business. And then for communication, your employees are going to be saying, I'm comfortable with being honest at work. If you can't have an employee come into your office and tell you the truth, they're probably not comfortable communicating with you. That could be a culture issue. That could be a issue with yourself. But for some reason, if someone can't come and tell you the truth about what they like, what they don't like, that's a reason to have an intervention of sorts and figure out how to get your communication back on track. They're also going to say, you know, I understand the importance of empathy. So if, if you're not relating with one another with, I say, save room for grace or save space for grace. We've got employees that are trying to figure out childcare. Earlier before we started the recording, talked about like wiring your house to accommodate the needs of your family at home and how that's a new challenge for you. Our employees are doing the same thing. And so if, if we're more focused on the fact that someone didn't meet the mark as opposed to what in their life stopped them from meeting the mark, we're gonna run into problems with communication and trust and folks that are having a good, have good community and good communication in the workforce. They say, uh, I provide clear vision and feedback to my team. So just the element of clarity when it comes to outcomes that are expected is incredibly important. And then, you know, last, but definitely not least is culture. And I think if you address these first three, the culture lift is going to be a little bit easier and employees are going to say, I understand what's expected at work. That's not just, you know, what is it that I need to do, but it's how do I play along with the rules of the organization? What are the rules of engagement here? How do I know that, you know, when I walk into a Zoom, 
I'm saying what I need to say to advance my career. I'm saying what I need to say to advance the business. And I'm saying what I need to say to be a good team player. They're also going to say, I help create a positive environment at work. I tell my team all the time, you know, if as HR professionals stepping into chaos sometimes, if we're not contributing to a positive environment, we're contributing to a negative environment, or at the very least, you know, we're allowing it to happen. And that's not okay. You know, we need to be all be proactive in creating a culture that's positive. And then last in that area is I'm well liked at work. A culture where people feel like they belong, where they belong, where they're accepted, where they realize that everybody doesn't have to like me, but at least I have a you know workplace best friend. You know, Gallup says that um, they say women, but I also think that this is for men as well. They say women strongly agree that if they have a best friend at work, they're more than twice as likely to be engaged compared to women who say otherwise. And what better than to have that person you can build alongside, vent your frustrations, walk out of a meeting and say, wasn't that crazy? Yeah, that was crazy. You good? I'm good. All right, let's go work, right? You need to have those outlets. So that's the reality for leaders. I know I said a whole bunch. Yeah. I said a book's worth. (laughs) (laughs) Said book is forthcoming. But, you know, those are the areas. And if you're furiously typing notes as I'm talking and you're listening to the show, just know that you can press pause and go back and and listen to this. That's right. That's right. And we're going to unpack this. So part of the reason, Joey, so as I uh, reached out to you and said, hey, will you join us? The month of November is Mm -hmm. a strategy alignment and deployment month for our content. Mm -hmm. And we want to we're constantly talking about, yes, strategy is important, right? You've got to have a plan. You've got to, but where that gap usually gets created in organizations is people's lack of ability to bring people along, to get people to align. And so often they create the one pager and go, look what we created after six weeks. Uh But no one in the organization knows it, right? And part of what you just talked about is these four pillars of confidence, creativity, communication, and culture. When those are done well, it will help speed up the rate in which your strategy can become reality. Yeah, that's right. You can't achieve anything in business without humans, right? And you need to create the most highly effective, in-tuned organization in order for that strategy to be able to be effectively deployed. So if you're listening and going, we are constantly banging our heads against the wall of why our strategy isn't deployed successfully, right? We feel like there's alignment, but there's not. Well, you might be lacking confidence, a culture that creates creativity, communication, and has a a culture where people feel valued and understood, right? Yep. So let's go into a few of these a little bit on the, I couldn't agree more on the friendships piece. You know, there's a lot of people that are like, whoa, you know, I don't know, are we supposed to do that? You spend so much time at work, you need to feel like people are connected and that you're connected, right? Yeah. Those that don't go somewhere else looking for that belonging, looking for that connection. It's a human instinct to want to do that. Oh, yeah. And we also talk often, Joey, with our, with those that are listening on, you want to create a culture of respect and trust 
that's the only way to create a culture of creativity where people feel like they're willing to be vulnerable and they know that it's okay because creativity comes with mistakes and comes with opportunities to trip into success, right? Absolutely. And people will not be creative unless they feel like they're in an environment where their work is meaningful, they can trust those around them, and that they can bring out their greatest ideas that will be judged in a way that's positive, not like, we don't want that voice here, right? Yeah. We say often the best innovations come from those that aren't at the top. Yep. So I love the way you unpack that. As you're navigating into these, what pushback do you get? Where do you feel the most tension in these four areas? Hmm. Where do I see the most pushback in these areas? The honest answer is it depends on the leader. And the reason why I say it depends on the leader is because we all have natural proclivities to favor one of these four than the other or some of these four than the other. I'll give you an example. I have one client that is very, very much focused on building a culture where everyone feels appreciated and accepted and liked. But their reservation is in honest communication that may hurt someone's feelings. And so the pushback there is the thing standing in the way of that culture is not that you don't have the right experts because this is a, a team of experts that know what they're doing. They're experts in their space. It's not that they don't thrive with creativity and aren't able to challenge the status quo. The barrier is that the lack of those honest conversations that may hurt feelings about, hey, here's what we're doing with the org chart, or here's what we need to do with your performance. Hey, here's what's working about your position, and here's what's not. That stands in the way. But then I have you know, another client that on the confidence piece, is really more um, you know, numbers driven and makes decisions based on, and this is where I talk about answering tomorrow's problems as opposed to yesterday's problem, is they're so numbers driven that they say, okay, we need to make a decision based on the fact that our finances are in X spot. But without looking at the confidence piece for your employees, you're not looking at, are they trained are they confident that they enjoy where they work and maybe you need to make a change because the culture that you've created is so numbers driven that you aren't caring about people. And so each of these by not doing them well can result in a negative culture and can result in not being strategically aligned, but it's going to be leader dependent because not everyone orients with the world the same way. Not everyone orients with their business the same way. Not everyone orients with their team the same way. And so it's really like a quick diagnosis. Okay, what is the most problematic spot? What's the weakest link in the chain? And then figuring out what we need to do to strengthen that link, as well as maintaining the other areas. And do you, on the um, the rate of change, the rate of success, the rate of rate of team member effectiveness, right inside of organizations? I mean, do you see a correlation of the success rate speeding up when all of these things align, businesses achieving more, leaders feeling like they're certainly they feel more engaged. Mm-hmm. But what's the business impact and ROI from a strategy alignment and deployment perspective when these things are optimized? Yeah. So 
there was a, a great study that Gartner put together recently on uh, essentially agility within the HR function and how we need to look at ways that we can make HR more responsive and more adaptive. But one of the things that stood out to me in that survey was that they surveyed a ton of employees at various organizations and they came up with this phrase that I'm going to steal from them, but I, I always give credit. Maybe later I won't, but for now I got it from them. But it's called work friction. And what work friction represents is all of the ways that we make it hard for people to do their job. And they put work friction into four different categories, not the ones that I've just shared previously, but like, how hard is it to retrieve information? Is there a process that people follow or do they have to recreate it? Is there clarity in communication? So on and so forth. And so what they showed with Gartner was that when you reduce someone's work friction, it does result in positive ROI. It does result in faster getting to goals faster because the tangible number from the research was that an employee spends 2.9 hours in their day creating work hacks or operating in work hacks. And work hacks are because there's no process in place, I have to either create something or go the long way around an effective process to do something. And so if we just fix those broken systems in our work, if we fix the broken areas in our work, not only will we get more time back for our employees so they're not stressed, but maybe we'll see fluff in our business where we need to hone in and trim that fluff away. So there is tangible ROI with getting a clean system and focusing on these areas. The question for you is just, what is the area that you have to be brave enough and courageous enough to tackle and do something about. Yeah, and that the opportunity for feedback, you even look at, we've heard a statistic from Gartner that 70% of the projects, and they thought that might even be a little generous, 70% of the projects that they collect the data on for organizations fail because of no follow-through that you could tie to some of these four things, right? Yeah that organizations can collect all the data in the world that they want, but if they're not able to fully deploy said data, align people to it, create culture change, create adjustments to the outcomes that are desired, which takes some friction that you then have to somehow dissolve and get people aligned that projects fail. Their data is just never utilized and implemented. Yeah. As you look at leaders who are advancing their careers, I mean, do you find that there's a lot of, I should say, yeah, a lot of mid-level, vice president-level leaders that are like, I want to do better, and I'm looking for tools like this to help me develop and grow as a leader to be the one. You know, I always say, look around, you can desire that the world is different, or you can actually make the world different, right? Yeah. Do you find a lot of individuals that lean into this are the ones that like are trying to learn about how to, when I'm in the next seat, this is how I want to lead and they're absorbing the content? Yeah, I, I'd say so with a caveat because when you think about the culture piece, one of the things was, I know what it takes to what's required of me at work. The reality is that in this current moment, 
many of us aren't in those healthy, happy, positive workplace cultures that we'd love to be in. And so in some work cultures, the information that I share is aspirational only because the current climate in the culture needs to be turned around and shifted. And so there's this dual conscience that people have sometimes of what's the culture in front of me, but then also what's the ideal culture and the ideal job that I have or that I would have. And so sometimes you, you experience people that will download the information and try to change the system, or they'll just go somewhere else because now they know what to look for in a healthy system, in a healthy culture. So sometimes it's a little bit of both, but there is a hunger for this type of information. There is a hunger for this type of workplace climate and these type of rules of engagement. I did a, a keynote speech with a really big payroll processing and um, HR tech firm. And it was like preaching to an audience because there was a lot of responses and like, yeah, more confidence. Yeah, more communication, more culture, more creativity, because there's a hunger there. I mean, the bottom line of these four areas is that for so long in an organization, we haven't told people how to keep score. We haven't told them how to keep score with their job. We haven't told them how to keep score with the way they relate to people. And so this is instituting a way to keep score, keep track and understand if my boss can't tell me I'm winning, at least I know that I'm winning because I'm doing all of this. And so you can't tell me anything after that. If I'm not working out here, I'm gonna go somewhere else and win. But this is a healthy framework for people to be able to inventory if, if they're winning, even if their boss can't tell them. Yeah, and there's an opportunity for all of us to influence the environments that we're in, right? Yep. But we too believe that if there's so much toxicity that it is unhealthy to be in your environment, it's time to go take an active role and make it your full-time role to find another role. <laughs> but you have the ability, and that's why you know so many people I know tune in to your work, tune in to our work, that there's a hunger to do better and to make an impact and to take these three, four things and implement this week and build into, oh, wait a minute. I just listened to a conversation about strategy alignment and deployment. Mm -hmm. And we talked most of the time about people, mm -hmm. right? And how to build the right environment. Our goal is yep. to kind of set you up for success and you can do all of the development work and brainstorming and create all the buzzwords you want but you've got to invest in your people and create an environment to enable people to thrive in order to achieve the plans, goals, and objectives that you set forth. And some of us go like, oh, I just need a new strategy. Maybe it was the strategy that was wrong. You know, I think Joey and I both agree. Like we would say, hey, timeout. Let's go back and look at the environment that your people are in, the level of trust or distrust that exists, yeah. The level of toxicity that's in your environment that you might not think exists, but let's go talk to your people, right? Let's see how, you know, we define culture, Joey, as corporate culture, as the thousands and thousands of interactions that people have each and every day. Mm -hmm. It's not about what we think it is. It's about what is the lived experiences. Yeah. And let's start dialoguing into those. You start unpacking these types of topics all of a sudden you look around and go, 
oh, this is what that data meant, that you're 68% more likely to achieve your strategy if these three things are aligned or these four things are together. You know, there's a lot of data out there about the impact of creating a trustful, meaningful environment for humans and what type of results you get. So start focusing on that, right? If you look around and say, we just can't achieve our goals and how do we get to 2021 objectives in 2022? Um, Let's talk about the soft stuff, the important stuff that your people really want, and then they will be unleashed to achieve your goals and objectives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we think about business strategy and alignment, you have to think about if your employee is, is signed up to work for your organization, you have to believe that they want to get it right. And you, as the person setting the pace, you have to believe that you want them to get it right. But the disconnect is not always the strategy in and of itself, but it's the mix up in communication of what you think you're projecting and what the person is actually hearing. So we really have to get some clarity. That's the communication piece. Some clarity in what the stated goal is and how we're going to make that goal happen. And so I think a helpful exercise would be to reverse engineer success. Think about what's the strategy, but then also what are the steps that are gonna lead to that goal being accomplished? And if you can reverse engineer and share the process, that will make your team more successful and more aligned. Because going back to that study on, on work hacking, I am, guilty of this myself. I had a meeting with my team yesterday and I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw my, myself under the bus. I lead our organization as a team of qualified consultants, which they are. But then if I don't give you the roadmap of what the jumpstart way of success is, I'm forcing you to fill in the blanks. And so it's like giving someone a, a destination and giving them a vehicle, but not giving them the GPS directions of how to get to that destination. Sure, they're competent drivers. Sure, they they can get there. But how will they know to turn left instead of turning right? How will they know, take this route at this time of day because there's less traffic? They won't. That's our responsibility as leaders. So I had a pretty good um, throw myself under the bus conversation this week. But the action item of that is reverse engineer success. Think about the steps that that I approve of, of like, this is what success is. And that way there's, there's clarity there of, does Joey think we're winning? Will the customer think we're winning? If we follow these steps, then yes. Yeah, so Joey, what inspired you to kick off and to lead this winning at work series? I know it's been going on for a while, but what, yep. what led you and your heart and your focus of time and resources to really launch that? Well. I think it kind of goes back to my early days as an employee uh, entering the job market and probably even longer than that. And what I studied in college, exercise science, which is the study of human performance. And I've just always had this theme with me since then is transitioning from human performance in sport in undergrad to human performance at work as a professional. And so this is kind of a culmination of my lived experiences, my training, but the series more specifically is to really test ideas and highlight some leading voices in these areas on the topic of winning at work. But ultimately, you know, the next step 
is a book, is writing a book to distill all of these in a way that's engaging and, and actionable, not necessarily for the HR leader, but for the employee. So I wanted to have my voice in the market with regard to how can employees thrive at work because we've never needed it like we do now. COVID has just, if there was a, a bucket of uncertainty and there may have been sprinkles before, COVID has just dropped the whole bucket. Yeah, yeah. So we're all trying to figure out, you know, are our businesses going to thrive in this? Are our employees going to thrive in this? But our employees themselves are thinking, am I going to thrive? And what's next for me? And with record unemployment, we've got to think about how do we instill confidence in our workforce so that they know that they can go on and accomplish great things. And thank you for sharing that. Always important to hear where things are motivated from and where desires are to create the impact, right? I know when we were talking in our preparation around like what's next. So if I'm an organization that says, and I'll admit, I am typically thinking three to five years out, right? I'm a visionary. The team has to know that when they're in the room with me and the goal of like, okay, now let's create the action plans. For the first time in my last, I've been doing this 20 years, I'd say at least the last 10. For the first time, I said, team, I just want to make sure we maximize 2021. Like, I don't want to think about 2025 right now, right? <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that. So as I'm getting ready to move into the new year and I'm looking at the strategic goals and objectives that we have, what are you encouraging to think about as we look at the political state, the social racial unrest that's in our country, the economic shifts that are going on, and the global health pandemic. How are you helping people connect and view their strategies? Will there be an after COVID? What does that look like? What's the new work world going to be framed up as? Yeah, great question. And um, even just just hearing you list out all of the, the hurdles that we have to navigate through before we even get to work, right? It's exhausting to think about that. And so I try to walk into conversations with that understanding of like, hey, before we even get to the work stuff, I get that it's it's tough out there and we're trying to figure out, me and my neighbor, we were best friends till this whole thing happened. And, you know, we we either picked a side or amplified our views and we realized that there's friction between them, right? That's happening in friends, that's happening in families, that's happening at work. It's unfortunate, but speaking specifically to the work, the work stuff, having an honest conversation about what do we offer to the market? What do we offer to our customers? And do they still need that in the way that we've been giving it to them? One of the things that was a pivot for us in the midst of COVID or at the onset of it was, hey, I know we do a lot of one-on-one training with customers who go through a sales cycle, but what our industry needs right now is communication about what to do next and eliminates the noise and eliminates the fact-finding mission of hopping on a government website or navigating Google to get answers. And so what we did, I wouldn't say day one, but somewhere in that, in that March area was like, hey, here's how to navigate the CARES Act. Here's how to navigate remote work. 
and just pushing that content out for free, to be honest. Because what people notice in the midst of a pandemic is like, how did you help? Not so much how did you seize it as an opportunity to drain people's pockets. That's just a personal perception of, of, of things. But so taking into account, how do you need to pivot? What are your customers needing? And then realizing that a, a moment like this creates a new opportunity, a new market. So for us, similar to 2008, I started in 2011, I started Jumpstart in 2011. But coming out of that recession, there was a, a, a refreshed imagining of how businesses are going to do their HR. And so there's a whole new wave of people reimagining is now the time to consider outsourcing. Is now the time to consider, hey, I'm the business owner and I'm tired of doing HR. This moment wrecked me and I really just want to get it in the hands of experts. So getting back to education and informing people of, hey, here's what we do. Here's why it's important to your business. And I think with those two strategies alone, that's where you go into, hey, how do we need to engineer the team so that we're able to respond in this new way? But also, we all have our current customers. And so having conversations with current customers and say, hey, how has COVID impacted your business? You know, on one hand, we have a, a franchise customer who, uh, a restaurant franchise customer who COVID was great for them because they already have stores that were wired for takeout and delivery. And so business boomed. You know, on the other hand, we have customers that, you know, service nonprofits and as giving budgets shrink, so does the money to go towards projects and initiatives. And so helping them navigate that. So understand and try to understand how this moment is impacting your customers will give you some insight on what their needs are and how you need to pivot. So really, you know, it's just assessing the moment is the, is the big thing. Assessing the moment and doing something about it. Yeah, I love that. So very applicable too, right? We can all ask the question, re-ask. It's now a good time even to re-ask of yeah. what are we seeing now that we didn't see in March of what our customers really need next? And if you don't know the answer, you need to be spending time with your customers. If you do have a good grasp on it, do we have the skills and capabilities to make that happen? Does it fall within what we do best? Yeah. And I love the comment, Joey, that you mentioned, even about delivery, right? How we deliver resources, whether physically or as a service, yep. you know, what there has shifted? How does that supply chain look differently? What is the, I was just talking to a client this morning that's actually here in our physical space today from Colorado and they are meeting. We led a session with them four weeks ago that I thought for sure should have been an in-person and for various reasons, we're like, let's try it virtually. And the feedback from their team has been, that actually went a lot better than we ever thought, right? Um, now, we did things differently. We created, we used the technology, but I also as a facilitator was using the room of individuals and like engaging with the room as if we're there, right? Yep. As if you and I are sitting right across from each other at a breakfast table or at a lunch table having a conversation yep. and it can be done. And it needs to be done. So those who have pushed pause on some of that team development effort, you know, I heard back from 
the CEO of that client who wasn't in the room that my team raved about the experience. Like they felt like they learned what innovations were happening inside the company. They learned about one another, things that they had never even thought to take pause and ask, right? And we need that right now. You know, that's that building friendships and connection that Joey mentioned as it relates to culture, that we need it right now. Our people, we need to feel connected, not just to the home life, but the work life and helping all of that in balance. You know, and I know companies are striving to do it, right? but we need to work even harder and it's going to look different and let's honor the difference and let's figure out how to maximize the difference, not just try to get by. Right. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I'm glad that your virtual session worked well. One of the things that I think has been a secret sauce for my company and just my ability to look at trends and apply them to business is like, see what's thriving in other industries that are totally unrelated. I think about Peloton and yeah. how it, it's just booming. And booming. Yeah. it was already, you know, successful pre-COVID, but in the midst of COVID, you know, it's hard to get a bike in three weeks, right? They had their earnings report a few weeks ago and their earnings were skyrocketed above anything that they had done in the past. And they, in the, in the midst, you know, launched a few new products. So you have to ask yourself, just as a human, because we're all humans, right? And we all want to win, right? So why, why is Peloton winning in a virtual space? Well, what makes them different than their peers is there is that interactive component where as people are riding bikes or doing yoga or meditation or whatever, the instructor is calling them by name. And there could be 50,000 people in a particular um, course, which in and of itself is what makes it successful, they're able to scale. You know, that's a lesson, practical lesson there. But I will join a course and sign up for a course just because I might get my name called. You know, that that's that's human nature. That's yeah. human nature. Yeah. So I did a yoga class. I, I mentioned on Twitter I did a yoga class with one of the instructors. It was already recorded, so there's no way my name was going to be shared. But I loved how like all throughout they were like, Hey, Johnny, this is your first class. Thanks for joining us. Or, hey, congratulations to Kathy. This is her 50th class. Or it's Mike's birthday. Let's say happy birthday, Mike. Like, we're not in the same space, but it's still engaging. And you feel like you're in the room. And so that's, I think that's one of the secret sauces for them is they found a way to keep people connected, even though it's virtual from the start. Yeah. And that's a part of it. Like, don't let, I've been inspired, Joey, how many organizations have shared with us. Like the beauty of virtual is I'm now hearing from people I used to not hear from. They would either just, they don't have the natural bring it up or they sit in the back and just assume that every time we walk into this meeting, these are the three people who talk, right? Yep. So yep. what you just mentioned, that whole community connection, belonging, shows people want to be a part of something great. They want to feel connected yeah. to others, right? So by being in this community and trying to get your name up on the board and, you know, you're also watching other people like, man, they're doing really well. How did they fit three classes in, in the last four days? Like, 
And we need to facilitate that way. We yeah. need to be intentional about how we call on others. We need to be intentional to let people know we want their voice heard. Yep. We need to be intentional of touching base before we walk into these discussions to say, hey, Mike, hey, Joey, I know that you two have a lot to say on this topic, but I also know that you may hold back a little bit because you don't want to push yourself forward in the room. I'd really love to hear your voice to have you guys go first, right? Yeah. Those kinds of things are, you know, tools that are micro inclusions that make us feel more included, more desired by the people around us that my voice matters and the community and the group that I'm in matters. Yeah. So what a powerful takeaway. Yeah. And one of the things that people who facilitate meetings have to realize is that everyone doesn't show up to a meeting expecting the same thing and they don't contribute in the same way. Right. And so I have this client that Whenever before COVID, the, the meetings would be in person, but they have one particular person who is really one of their most productive employees. But anytime they are in a meeting, they never speak. But the reason why they never speak and quick practical application here is ask people why they don't speak in meetings is because when we did some personality surveys, personality assessments for the team, I recommend strength finders. That's one that I like a lot. We realized that this person was so oriented towards task that they're listening to meetings purely for their task list of what it is they need to get done. So they're not the person who's like, hey, well, let me think about that or let me engage my brain and figure out a perspective that makes the most sense. Yeah, They're like, just give me my marching orders so that yeah. I can go and do what I need to get done. Yeah. And you have to value that. You have to value that perspective Absolutely. in a meeting. And so just realize that not everybody's the same. Some people are there because they want to help workshop ideas. And some people are there because they just want to go implement whatever's yeah. decided. We use a really cool tool, Joey, called Cloverleaf, which enables oh, nice. a variety of assessment tools. And every day I get an update from my team. If you were in Cloverleaf, I would get an update even about our meeting that's on my calendar about things to maximize our interaction. And it has strengths finders built into it. So you, you log in, you create a portal and you take these variety of assessments and then the teams you're on, it helps your team build better team, be more effective. And I have team members who literally show up with what you just said. Like they want to be very explicit on, are these the three things you need from me? Yeah. Because to them, I love their input, but you know, my team, you know who I'm talking about, because I'm sure you'll be listening to this. <laughs> and our team is absolutely efficient and effective uh -huh. because of those team members. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love it because, and I'm not that kind of person, but I'm, I've learned to honor that kind of approach to meetings. Yeah. My wife is very much a task person as well. So it, this works double for me at work and at home. The conversation is the clutter. It's not so much they want to engage in the back and forth. They want like, what's the definitive plan? What, what are we going to get to? And so honoring that perspective in a conversation means making sure we don't spend over time because they're budgeting this time, but they've got a whole host of things that they are actually right. trying to move the needle on. Yeah that the conversation is cluttered for them. And the more we can distill 
a conversation into something actionable, the more uh, they'll get something out of the meeting and you'll yeah. get something into, from your organization. Yeah. Now, I know all of you listening just heard that and went, oh, Joey, if you only knew about the meetings that we have and I wish. So now is your time to share this episode with those around you, right? Hey, I heard this great episode. I think it'll help our teams be more effective. I heard the CEO of Jumpstart HR, host of the Business Life and Coffee podcast, the host of the um, Winning at Work series on Wednesdays at four Eastern Standard Time, and the uh, host and co-founder and CEO of the Talent Magnet Institute. Like they really got at some things that would make our teams more effective, right? So please share this episode. That is how we both grow our communities. That's how we've reached you, those that are listening and watching. And I also want to thank our Talent Magnet community members who will be watching this as well and ask all of you to you know, send us your questions. Submit your questions to us. There's nothing that feeds us more when we hear something from a listener of one of our episodes. Joey, I don't know about you, but when our episode drops on Thursdays, Thursday mornings, when I get a text message or two from people that listen to it, it's like, man, that gives me fuel to my engine. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's great. So I want to thank you, Joey, for joining us today. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your inspiration. And I would encourage everyone to check out Joey V. Price on LinkedIn and Joey V. Price HR on Twitter and Instagram. Follow him, connect with him. I promise, just like I thank my community who connected me to Joey, that you'll thank us for connecting you to Joey. So thank you so much, Joey, for being a part of this today. My pleasure. And thank you, Mike. Thank you, Talent Magnet community. Thank you, everyone who made this episode possible. And thank you, listener for getting to this part of the program, which means you've downloaded and digested a lot of good actionable thoughts that can make your business productive and your life more successful. So I'm excited to be a part of that part of your story. Excellent. Thank you all. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.